This scripture reading is from the book of Acts, and starts, it's chapter 10 and starts with verse 34. So Peter began to speak to them, and he said, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to God. You know the message Jesus sent to the people of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God had anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Here ends the reading. Yesterday, someone came up to me who knew I was a pastor and said, you know, I've never really thought about this before, but what do you think today was like back then? What was Holy Saturday that we call it now? What what, what was going on then? And I said, well, if the timeline is correct, it was Passover, And so for the Jewish followers of Jesus, they were observing Passover. They were observing those rituals and those things. They were probably probably with their families or with with each other, with those in their relationships, celebrating the Passover. And yet, as I got to thinking about it, it would almost be like that there was a major celebration the day after your closest friend had died. You're obligated to go to this celebration. You're obligated to go through these routines and these rituals, something that you've done your whole life. And yet, all you can think about is the fact that this person who you put so much of your hopes in, who you'd you'd spent so much time with over the last three years, who who you'd come to call friend and teacher and rabbi and maybe even quietly Messiah had been killed by the Romans, had been put to death by the powers and the principalities who could not stand to have any disruption in the kind of control that they had on the lives of people. Once again, some great leader or potential great leader was struck down right in the midst of what looked like to be the beginning of something amazing. And yet for those followers, they then were in the midst of this celebration of their faith, of the time when the angel of death passed over the firstborn children, passed over the people of Israel, passed over so that they could have a new life, so that they could go, and yes, they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness, but eventually they got to the promised land. So I just invite you to put yourself in that space. Maybe, maybe you've been there. Maybe something has happened that is just so 
broken you in a way, and yet you still had to go to work, and you still had to go to birthday parties, and you still had to go to anniversaries, and you still had to go to celebrations, and you still had to go to church. And yet your heart was heavy. And so now imagine being the women, the ones who did not run away when Jesus was crucified, the men. I always remind people of this. It's the women who, who stayed. They were really the courageous and brave ones who stayed, who took care of Jesus' body. The men were so afraid for their lives that they took off. They scattered. We don't know exactly what happened. We know eventually they they found themselves up in in the upper room again, locked in there. But the women knew that they had a duty to fulfill. They were the ones who had to carry forth the rituals of death. And so as we heard this morning, they... And in the scripture, they went with the spices and with the things that they needed to to finish the burial, really. And they got there and the stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty. We know that part of the story. But can you just imagine, just for a moment, what that might have been like? Again, like the egg smashed on top of the head that doesn't have a yolk in it. It's a surprise. It's such a surprise. All we can do is open our mouths. What is happening here? What is going on? It's such a foreign concept that, that at least for Christians, at least for those of us who grow up in the church, we get so used to this idea of the empty tomb. It's almost like, well, yeah, it just happened. And we just sort of go on our merry way and act like it didn't change anything. And it changed absolutely everything. But what I love in this story is just that, that human element The women are there and they are perplexed. I love that word. They are perplexed. They're confused. Their their mouths probably weren't hanging open, but they were just like, oh my goodness, what? Where is he? What, What? Did someone take him? Would the Romans have done such a despicable thing? I'm sure their minds are racing. And then to have a messenger say to them, he's not here. Why are you looking for him here? You're looking for the living among the dead. He is not here. He's been raised. And I'm sure they're like, that does not compute. No one comes back from the dead. And yet, and yet they go back and they tell the disciples, and isn't it just like us men? That sounds like a fairy tale to me. I gotta go look at it myself. But only one goes, Peter, at least in in the Gospel of Luke, Peter goes and, and, he, and he goes to look at the tomb for himself and he sees the, the linen claws there. I think it's interesting that he receives no angelic messenger. He just sees the facts, right? And then he, it says he went home amazed at what happened. Peter, still clueless, but amazed at what happened. And we can debate scientifically the resurrection. We can debate historically the resurrection. We can debate all of these things about the truth, what we would call now in, in, the, in the postmodern era, the truth of the resurrection. We can, we can debate all of that, but let's look at what happens not very long after this. You have a bunch of scaredy cat men 
who begin going out and telling the story of how Jesus was raised from the dead and how that means that everything has changed. That no more will the Roman occupation, no more do the powers and the principalities of this world, no more does death have the ultimate and final say on our lives. Even if we die, we are to live with Christ, they begin to tell people, because he died so that we could have that new life. We could have that opportunity to be born again, to be renewed in the spirit each and every day, but also we do not have to fear any of the things that would keep us from living a whole life right now. If this story is true, no addiction, no affliction, no war, no famine, no strife, no death, no powers and principalities, nothing has a final say over us. Because love shows up when all of those things show up. Jesus shows up and he doesn't float over life like some disembodied spirit. He laughs, he cries, he eats. He curses things. He prays. He feels abandoned He makes friends. He dies. And so what we know is that when Jesus shows up, love shows up, and anything that is keeping us from living this wholehearted life that God is giving us has no power over us, even though it feels so much stronger than anything else. When love shows up, all of those things are broken down. They do not have the last word anymore. And we have got to stop living as if they do. Why? Because we keep killing each other. Because we keep hurting one another in big and small ways. We keep talking about each other as if we are different. And that those differences are bad. But when love shows up, we begin to understand that everyone has been created as a holy and beloved child of God. And each person deserves dignity and opportunity and the chance to flourish no matter where they were born, no matter how they were born, no matter what has afflicted them. They ought to be given the opportunity to live into that wholeness of life because when love shows up, nothing should stand in anyone's way to live a whole life. And so when churches and synagogues and temples are burnt, when there is violence and when there is murder, when the powers and the principalities feel like they reign over us, when we are in the throes of our addictions and when we are in the throes of our afflictions, we, the people of God, must be those who show up. Because our faith is not in the temples. It's not in the things of this world. It is not in a what. It is in a who. And that who showed up as love in our lives. And this love overcomes all things. 
And today, that is what we celebrate in the resurrection. Every Sunday in churches around the world, that is what we celebrate as we remember the resurrection every Easter Sunday. And each and every day, we have the chance to be those who show up as love in other people's lives so that they can know that they are not caught and bound, but that they are being made free in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who overcame all things in order that we might be the love that shows up. So today, may we celebrate the resurrection and may you be resurrected. May you be set free from everything that keeps, holds you back, that keeps you from living that whole life. May you become the love of God that shows up in each and every place, wherever it is that you work or serve, wherever it is that you teach and give, whatever it is that you do, may you be known as the one who shows up with love and with care and compassion in the name of Jesus to break every bond to set the prisoners free, to heal the sick. Because when love shows up, that is what happens. Amen and hallelujah.